0: What's up, guys? Welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Krakowski. I'm so grateful for you to join me today. So today, I have two special guests that join me on the podcast. They're two of my favorite people in the world. Brian Grasso and Carrie Campbell are on together in a very special episode here. So Brian and Carrie, they've been a huge inspiration to me in my life, as well as many, many others in their numerous platforms and businesses. They are two of the absolute best when it comes to personal development and mindset. And today, We dove specifically into something they've been working on for years, a program where their vision is to stop teen suicide and mental health struggle in young adults. So the reasons why and how they began and developed this program, I can't even do it justice of explaining it in an intro. So it's one of the most inspiring stories I've heard, and I'm just gonna leave it at that and let you listen in on all of Brian and Carrie here. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please make sure to subscribe and it would be awesome to hear from you in a review, help spread that message of strength for me. Awesome. Thanks so much guys. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome back everybody. So, oh my gosh, Brian and Carrie you're on the podcast. This is so great. <laughs> no, seriously. So good to see you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm super pumped. I get to have both of you on here. This is so exciting. It's so
1: fun. We're actually and we actually decided to sit in the same room for this. Yeah, because I, my office is back there. And mm-hmm. usually we take our calls separate. Yeah. But for podcast, mm-hmm. you will do well it yeah. for, for Michael. That's... Exactly.
0: Exactly. 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 Oh, my gosh. This is so. <laughs> so I was saying we were just cracking up for like 10 minutes off and we're like, yeah, we better get this started yeah. <laughs> down here. So
2: I'm yeah. glad we weren't recording kind of half wish we were. I'm just saying.
1: I
0: wish yeah. we were recording. Everybody I, needed to hear the message I was delivering. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So, so well, welcome. Proper introduction. Brian Grasso, Kerry Campbell. Thank yes. you so much for coming on the show. This yeah, is so having yeah, us,
2: man. This Absolutely. is
0: great. Yeah. For I think for most of this audience, you need no introduction. You guys have been referenced. You've both been on the podcast before, both together here. This is super exciting. Yeah. I'm here. But we actually have a very specific topic that we're going to dive into, which I have honestly been so excited. To dive into, because um, I've seen the work that you guys have been doing behind the scenes on this. I've kind of got to see from partners, it come to fruition. So now to talk about Ellie and what this is really about, this is really exciting. So thank you so much.
2: No, it's our pleasure. If, I mean, if I could, if anyone minds me just kicking off, Jump. just so everybody watching and listening knows, like, I'll let you tell the origin story perhaps. But, um, you know, the, the intention of Ellie is very, very simple. We intend to uh, eliminate teenage suicide and pharmaceutical dependency. That is the um, unbridled intention. We believe we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a big goal. It's lofty. It's Mm -hmm. rather outlandish. But um, I'm not sure life is worth living without outlandish goals. Mm -hmm. So that is the goal for this particular project.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. it's. I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, obviously, I think it's something that you hear that, and everybody can rally around and get behind. But to actually put your feet on the ground and do it on an everyday basis and take that on. I mean, I know that's a lot of time, a lot of effort, and now to see everything come in. So um, I was actually, I'm going to throw an audible right off the bat, because I was going to ask what it is to give some context, but that I want to actually start with why. Like, why did you guys feel so compelled to dive mm-hmm. into this? Because you guys have other businesses, you're very busy people. You've been doing a lot of work in the mindset group. This mm-hmm. is even another demographic that you knew probably right off the bat was going to take a lot of energy. So why, why take this, this on?
1: Yeah. I mean, I want to say that I think maybe our answers are somewhat similar, but somewhat different. So (laughs) they're probably both individual. Um, You know, I, I think for myself, my, my career is that I'm a clinical counselor. My career started working with youth, um, the primary you know my primary study when I was doing my field work was with uh, troubled teens which I hate that statement I shouldn't have used that mm-hmm. uh, teenagers who were, who were going through challenges and I had seen everything that you could possibly imagine so my, my first 10 years um, as a practitioner was working with young people mm-hmm. and then you know when Brian and I got together and we created our, our mindset system the eliminate your limits mindset system we particularly designed it so that it was universal in the sense that if you have a brain and a mind, it's going to apply to you, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. we, we created it under that context, and I think that we always knew that we were somehow going to come back to young people and mm-hmm. youth and serve in a certain way. And um, I, for, for I, for one, like my heart lies with with young people, and mm-hmm. and I don't want to sound so like cliche when I say the children are our future but they are right. Mm -hmm. They are. And, and, you know, coming from the industry that we're in right now in personal development, where we do work primarily at the moment with, with adults, Mm -hmm. for me, if we can go back in time and reverse, if I could go back and reverse what all of my, my clients dealt with as young people, they wouldn't be where they are today. Right. So you know we're we're so much more of an interruptive model than we are an intervention-based model. Mm-hmm. And when we think about that on the macro scale, you know, you can interrupt a, a human being's pain and their their experiences younger in age and avoid the intervention yeah. at the age of 40, 30, 50, whatever the case. May right. Be. So it's like the young, and 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 what we're doing, which you know I'll talk about it in a little bit, um, you know, is not being done in schools. You know, it's not right. being provided for kids. So they don't have the opportunity to even learn these skills at a very young age. So that's my why.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that look at that steals a lot of my why as well. I think that the EYL model that we created is very interruptive. In this orientation, uh, generally speaking, our society works off off of interventionist models, Uh Um, interventionist models being like, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, perfectly valid. We're not disparaging it in no way whatsoever. But the point is, is that we have we have a lot of interventionist based things that when you get into a very bad place. There's help provided. Right.
0: right, so it's um, more reactive rather than anything exactly. proactive.
2: our interests are proactively oriented. Um, you can't get out of life without being bumped and bruised. You're gonna get hurt, you're gonna get knocked down. There's gonna be nefarious people, bad actors, very challenging situations and circumstances. Absolutely nobody in life is inoculated from that truth. We are all gonna experience hardships. So can we interrupt these hardships from an emotional intelligence and mindset perspective that we can actually help young people grow into adults who learn how to manage emotions properly. And Carrie said, it's not taught in schools. And that's, that's a poignant statement. It's um, there is no data, none that doesn't support the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It says emotional intelligence is the number one factor to success and happiness. If that's true, why the hell don't we teach that in school? Yeah. and we don't we don't come close to teaching in school my my other answer just before you mm-hmm. you, you kind of chime in um we, we don't like categorizations we don't like um boxing people we, we don't we don't enjoy the way the psychological industry has chosen to con- conduct itself and what I mean by that is you have a bad couple of weeks or a bad couple of months and boom you're diagnosed as clinically depressed you've now earned that stigma hmm. you carry it as an expectation the rest of your life and more likely than not you're medicated and don't even get me started on what the meta analysis shows right. about antidepressants and they're they're largely unusable uh, commodities yeah so we don't want young people being classified anymore Uh, depression, sadness, anxiety. These are all parts of ranges of uh, normal human experience. Mm -hmm. And if we can uh, take the stigma away and we can help people understand, look at uh, depression, anxiety, for example, they're not death sentences. These are ranges of emotion that we experience. What do we do when we experience them? Mm -hmm. If that is the kind of emotional intelligence we're supplying to kids, the world's going to be in a better place.
1: You know, and you know us well enough to know that we're about to do what we you. Do. You ask one right?
2: question, like, we'll talk. I love it.
0: it. I'm, I just, I'm we'll sitting. I'm enough. sitting back, and I'm going to finish um, up my hot water.
1: Right. You know, there's there's so much that Brian hit on there that um, is for me. Like it, it's actually quite emotional. Right. Like to hear. One well, percent. Yeah. I do run um, the Unstoppable Girls Tribe, which is a it's a tribe for young girls that we're, we''re piloting some of this this stuff with the young girls. Um, but you know I, it breaks my heart when I hear somebody young refer to themselves as anxious all the time. I have anxiety disorder or I have this or I like they've already labeled themselves, but they but here's the thing. There is no child or adolescent on the planet who is going to label themselves without having the information to be labeled, Mm, right? So they've either got that from social influence or they've got it from social media or they've gotten that from a teacher, a doctor, a parent or whatever the case may be, right? So we're, we're slapping these kids with labels, labels of things like Brian just said that are absolutely human experience. Because I just finished teaching just earlier that without joy, there's no sorrow. Without good, there's no bad. Without happy, there's no sad. There's an opposition in this world for a reason. That's how our world, our universe works. So we don't want to rid ourselves of anxiety, depression, sadness. We don't want to rid ourselves necessarily of the emotion. What we want to do is we want to teach people what to do with the emotion so it doesn't exacerbate into becoming the the only emotion you feel right and I know when we started working on Ellie you know even just coming out of the school system right like in the school systems there's intervention everywhere right you get suspended you get expelled you get baker acted you get this you get there's intervention everywhere because the school system unfortunately and I don't blame the school system for this because it is what it is they mm-hmm. they don't have the resources yeah. to stop the bleed. So that's their only option, right? Is to do the to, to do these intervention-based things. And I'll be honest that you know there's the allure to almost come in like five years ago, when we started this project and hit small, you know, what can we do for this school? What can we do for that school? Right. right. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're still kind of on an intervention basis at that point. Whereas Ellie is a global project. Yeah. You know, we're not sure. talking small project here. We're talking about a global project that our vision is literally to change the next generation. That is totally interruptive. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it takes courage to do that because it's not a quick grab. You don't change the world with a quick grab. You change right. it the long process of creating it. If yeah. I can
2: just add two things off to what Carrie said, is respectfully I disagree with one thing Carrie said. She says she doesn't blame the school system. I do. I do mm-hmm. blame the school system. I don't blame teachers. That's what I meant. I don't blame te- right. teachers. Right. are yes. working inside of yeah. yeah. an incredibly mm-hmm. failed system. Yeah. Yes. But I do blame the school system. system. The academic system is run by a bunch of bureaucrats who, pardon my language, have their heads so far up their own butts, uh, clinging on to antiquated notions that haven't worked well for 30 years. Right. And they're almost like too afraid to relinquish their own power to say, we don't know what's going on here and we need help. Yes. But right. it seems to me that every bureaucrat in the school system we come to feels the same way. That does not include teachers or school administrators, yes. it's the people above them. I agree with and that. I blame them squarely for where our scholastic system is in this part of the world. I blame them absolutely squarely mm-hmm. for not thinking outside the box and recognizing our system doesn't work. Uh, I blame them for not recognizing teenage suicide is a serious problem that isn't going to be solved with basic interventionist models that have never worked. Right. So that's a little harsh, I know, but I'm sorry. It's, it's time somebody's accountable for, for this not operating the way it needs to. I agree uh, but right. teachers and school administrators, I absolve. Yeah. It's yeah. not their fault. They're working inside of a system that isn't productive in, in the least yeah, so i, I just wanted to that. add that flavor i agree with you.
0: yeah it, it's interesting my sister's a teacher i have some good friends that are teachers and they've said that same thing it's almost there's this i hate that word hopelessness but it's almost like you see the look in their eyes of like yeah. we want to do something yep. but it's almost like it seems like those that are on top and control of the whole ship it's such sure. a big ship that they're just looking at all the holes where the water's coming in and just trying to plug them in because that's all that's well that's all they choose to do. That's all you, look, I don't mean to that's get- all Exactly, they all, they, that's all they choose to do, I think. It's like, it's somebody's responsibility and they know, but sure. to actually take it on and put it on your shoulders, somebody's got to be the first one, you know, to charge up the mountain from that. I,
2: I don't mean to get political with this, but let me, one of my biggest problems is that we have a federal Department of Education that's supposed to oversee everything academically in a, in a country of 350 million people with 50 very different states. Um, whenever you get that big a bureaucracy, let me ask you a question, who's responsible? Mm-hmm. No one's gonna raise their hand,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that's for damn sure. Yeah. No one's gonna raise their hand. Yeah, I, I wanna see more community support, community effort. And we believe that digitizing what we do And make it youth based. It doesn't have to go through schools or or teachers or parents or administrators. Although, and this is a big although, we are working with schools. We're working with teachers. We're working with administrators. Michael, because of exactly what you said, everybody in the school system who's actually functioning, working in the school system, whenever we talk to them about what they're doing, all they ask us is, how do I get involved? Yeah. How do I get that's, my kids involved? Yeah. Yeah. So we know that teachers want this. We know school administrators want this.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's that's been really the coolest thing to see this kind of from the outside view of hearing the updates that you guys are giving, that everybody that you're talking to they just hear, you know, the vision statement of it. And it's like, this is a no brainer. How do I get involved in this? And yeah. like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the easiest sell probably in the world. You just, people just need to understand that it is possible to do. So now if I can bring you guys back into it. So now beautiful vision on this. You guys have both had this in your minds for a while, but then when was it when you realized like, okay, we need to take this on now? Like, right. was it just kind of solidifying the vision? Did you have steps that you knew you were going to take? How did that process come about?
1: Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's backstory time, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you know, it's it's interesting actually because this is only the second time Brian and I have spoken publicly together about Ellie, right?
2: Steve Sims podcast Steve was the Sim, first. Just, yeah. yeah. so
1: it's like normally we, you know, when we tell our love story, for example, we know exactly what parts who's sharing what, right? <laughs> it's so then it's true. like it's like a, it's, it's like a, it's, a dance like, between
0: the two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know? um, so yeah, you know, first of all, let me kind of just like let me go all the way forward. Uh, forward and then come back really quickly because I think it's important to give the back. The backstory matters for me and greatly it matters, but just so everybody who's listening actually knows what Ellie is. So Ellie E-L-I or Eli um, chosen specifically and users will have the opportunity to choose which name they want Mm -hmm. um, stands for Eliminate Limits Independently and essentially it is going to be the first ever app that combines um, mindset and emotional intelligence to video game technology Mm -hmm. for young people. So think of it as the Siri or the Alexa of mindset for teenagers. Mm -hmm. Um, Really it's going to be in their pocket, accessible to them 24-7. So that is because people might listening might be like, oh, but what is this Ellie thing? Yeah. What is it? I want to know, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a really cool story to, to actually paint the picture of how we got from where we started to where we're at. And I'm not a long storyteller, so Brian might jump in and give some some of the details. Clearly, I am. Um, Well, no, you're a more elaborate storyteller. It's true. You're more gifted at it. But you know, the the I actually, you know, leaving our 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 pasts in terms of our own careers behind, the moment that this really started to come. back into our um sphere of vision was back in 2017 i want to say it was 2017 it's going to seem like an offshoot of a story right now but um we bought our daughter tickets to see the pitbull concert in montreal the musician pitbull um and we you know she was her role model she loves him within a matter we posted it on facebook because she was so surprised I had a client of mine reach out to me and say, you know, I know Pitbull. If you want, you've done so much for me. I'd love to get you backstage passes. So we had to have, and it was, it was really interesting the way it all happened universally. Like the first concert was canceled and we didn't have the backstage passes yet. The second concert, like it was, if you believe in things are meant to be, like this was all meant to be. Um, We almost didn't actually go to Will Call to get our, our other seat changes. So we would have not met him, but we did. Anyways, we we got the honor of meeting Pitbull that night. Now, I knew of Pitbull, obviously, his music, Mr. 305, but I didn't really know him. And so I was sitting in the audience listening because... The real magic in Pitbull's concerts, in my opinion, is actually the in-between the music. <laughs> mm-hmm. When he opens his mouth and he starts talking. Um, and I realized very quickly that this man, his message and his vision for the world is the same as ours. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never met anybody who essentially is saying the same thing mm-hmm. without missing, like, there's always something that I'm like, eh, not quite. But he really was speaking our words. Yeah. So when I, I left the concert so inspired, and I messaged my client, and I basically said to her, "I was like, you know, I, I'm blown away. Like, what a truly magical human being. If I just send you a message of, of appreciation, will you send it to him?" And so she did. And a day later, she messaged me, and she said, "You know, hey, Armando, that's his real name. Armando um, would love to connect with you. Here's his cell phone number." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I was like, wait, what? I don't. What just happened? Right? Um, unexpected." But um, to kind of fast track the story a little bit there, um, we, we started to connect about maybe six weeks later, he flew me down to Miami because he wanted to know more about what we do and, and what it is that we do in this world, right? Mm-hmm. So I sat down for lunch with him and I basically started downloading everything we do. Um, and we walked away from that meeting, basically deciding that all of us were going to change the world together and make history. Like literally, if I go back in my text messages, that's how we left this meeting. But our first order of in, of business, I guess, was essentially starting to get um, familiarized with his schools. So he okay. he has co he has founded um, Slam Schools across North America, Sports Leadership Arts and Management. It's a charter school. Oh shit! I um, didn't know that. Yeah, so it's really cool. And like, Not a lot of people know that. Wow. I think that I want to say that they're up to 20 now across the country. 22, at least. Um, 22, yeah. yeah. They just opened their most recent one here in Arizona, actually. Um, And so we started, we went on a tour, we got to know them, and then literally we went to Florida and we're like, put our hand up, let's come into the school, let's volunteer. So we went into the school. We did three weeks of volunteer with some of the kids there. They loved what we were doing. And it kind of and from there, two months later, we decided just to move to Miami, Yeah, like on a whim to to move this vision forward, because we felt so much like youth needed this. Right. So just before COVID, we started integrating our pilot project, which was S.A.L.P., Sports Leadership no, nope. self-aware Absolutely. leadership program. Actually,
2: self-aware leadership program. <laughs> Good season.
1: Thank God Brian's here. Um, we started piloting it into uh, slam schools in Florida, and then COVID hit. And COVID hit literally three weeks after we had put the proposal out to Priscilla, uh, not Priscilla, to Pitbull and his team. Mm-hmm. And we were about to start uh, fundraising for the project. Um, but we had a pivot. Because COVID hit, and we knew that with COVID hitting, it was just going to actually elevate the need of kids Mm -hmm. in so far as their mental health and their emotions, right? So we pivoted to the end of the project, and at the very end of the project was actually the app development. So we basically flipped the project on its ears, and we started going into the formation of creating Ellie this app and have been taking it down bit by bit since then building it into what it's about to be and Brian will probably pick up from there but we're 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 due to launch our MVP by the end of this year mm-hmm. and off to the races at that point so
0: so real quick to just clarify there so it was going to be just in the school then when COVID happened the kind of pivot to the app came or was the app already kind of in your mind at that time
2: Distant distantly so
0: brought it into from the bench and put it into play. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. It's, gotcha. a, it's a very interesting thing. Carrie, um, myself, uh, Pitbull, his business partner, and then the um, superintendent of all of his schools. Mm-hmm. We all collected into a hotel restaurant uh, in Miami one evening to talk about how well the pilot was going in Miami and in Boca Raton, Florida. And how much the teachers loved it, the principals loved it, the kids loved it. And we all convened in that hotel lobby or in the restaurant uh, to, to talk about, okay, let's integrate this now into every school that Pitbull had across mm-hmm. the country. And our next step was to create a certification, a license, where we could teach other coaches what our SALP model was, how they use it in school so that you know there's a limit to the number of rooms we can be exactly, in Exactly, right. We, we could outsource, you know, the schools in Georgia and Arizona to other people. Um, three weeks later, COVID, COVID shut happened. everything yeah. down, yeah. right? So we had just finalized getting the okay from Pitbull that we were going to take the program to every one of the schools across the country. COVID hit, so we just pivoted to the app and said, "Look, let's just let's make it bigger than just individual schools."
1: And you know, you know, it's like for everybody listening to this right now who feels like they want to give up on something in life like seriously, because we all hit this moment right and and the reason I think the backstory is so important is because this is going to go live and people are going to see the fanfare and people are going to see the the, we uh, Brian is the most incredible nexus on the planet (laughs) the connector he has got so many people connected to this project that like people's minds are going to be blown. Right. When they, when they see the people connected to this project. So people are going to see the fanfare. Right. But what they're not going to see, like, it's not an overnight success. No. Right. Like mm-hmm. at any point in time, at any point in time, when COVID hit, we could have been like, we need to pivot and be focused on our stuff. Exactly. We need to put this, like, we need forget about this. And like, you got to appreciate in the pivot during COVID, like, Armando, who is, you know, you know, a musician who has he's on stages like 52 stages a year, Um, plus they run a recording company as well. So they also have artists that part of their business had to be taken care of. So we actually pivoted to the point that we said, okay, we're taking this off of Armando's plate. We're going to take it over as primary lead and keep Mm -hmm. it updated. And we brought on our business partner who's involved with us in it now. And even that had start and stop because I got COVID, then he got COVID, then Ryan got COVID, then, mm-hmm. then this happened. There are so many interruptions to this and it's been, it's going to look like a pretty little package when it comes out and it's going to be, wow. Yeah. But nobody's going to understand that at any point in time, we could have dropped the ball and said, we're done. It's
2: actually a really important point that carry raised there. Like, for example, and Michael, you'll be invited to this in February of 2023. We're going to host an invitation-only exclusive event uh, with some of the best uh, speakers and entrepreneurs and artists on the planet. Um, And I'll say this into a mic, even though we're not there yet, our intention is that Pitbull will be the keynote speaker, that Alice Cooper, uh, who we also work with, uh, he'll be at the event and he'll be performing. It won't just be a bunch of speakers, but Alice Cooper and the Hollywood Vampires will be performing at this event. And it'll be an event to raise funds. We'll have a silent auction where you can buy, you know, Johnny Depp's leather jacket or Alice Cooper's cane or whatever it is. The whole point will be to raise funds uh, for the production of Ellie. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's going to be an amazing event. And then fast forward to probably September of 2023 is going to be our launch party. We're going to coincide the hard launch of Ellie in conjunction with, uh international suicide prevention day mm-hmm. and that's going to be one big media extravaganza pitbull alice cooper you name the a-list celebrity we'll get them there you'll be invited to that too mm-hmm. by the way michael that's... and the point i'm raising is that people are going to see those events mm-hmm. and they're going to be impressed they're gonna be wow they're, gonna be mm-hmm. they're gonna be like wow look what brian and gary can do and they're not going to see the five years yeah. of everything that it took to get us to those points. So I think Kerry's point is incredibly valid. Um,
0: yeah. It's, it's such a point. Challenge, man. Yeah. Well, and it's such a the point of um in my head, I'm thinking of like the Herb Brooks and the miracle on ice team of when he talked yeah. about the Russians, when the toughest team, everybody else was defending back and just holding their ground when he made them attack at that that's, time. Yeah, and it's the right. same type of thing. And so many people, Especially, I mean, we just had a pandemic. It's a very easy example to use where you hold at your fort and you just protect your fort instead of actually going out. No, there's still opportunities to go out. And that might actually be the best time to do it because everybody else is retreating back and that's actually your time that you can make it. But it is like everybody's going to see. I mean, just like a Pitbull concert, everybody sees the lights and the extravagant. They don't see all of the shit that went, you know, before then, all of the nasty motels that he stayed in probably before the five star hotels that came in. And 100%. yeah, I mean, Carrie, you've been on stage. I had a bodybuilder last week on. We we're talking about stepping on stage and everybody sees when you're on stage, what you look like. there, not the weeks of preparation that comes <laughs> out. You don't see the
1: fat face. Jerry Rums, you, <laughs> you, know, you
2: know, what's so funny about what you just said there. Uh, Pitbull told us one time that he still has the boombox that he had when he was a young teenager and that he used to record himself rapping into. This is before he was Pitbull, but by years, he still has that boombox. And they told us that one day when his musical career ended, he wanted to produce a one-man show with the boombox just sitting on a chair beside him talking about his life and times. And it all started from that boombox. And I'm like, I want to see that show Mm -hmm. because everybody has a story like that. Right. Everybody has a story like that. Ellie's going to have a story like that. Pitbull, Alice Cooper has a story like that. Um, But it's, it's the people who, who don't believe that everybody has a story like that. Right. Who never seem to succeed themselves Mm -hmm. because they think their story is unique and it's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Well it is and I think there's a lot of people out there I think especially those that are probably listening to this are in that mindset but that reminder of it is needed constantly it's that everyday thing of just you know, resetting.
1: We I love that you said that and like you know we were in a we were at a attended a, an event with Steve Sims last week it's like a private mastermind that we were invited to and this room was filled with um I mean Uber millionaires, right? Like, uber successful people. And I always love sharing the story to people who don't live in that world because I think it's really important. Um, You know, at the beginning of the story, Steve, at the beginning of the show, Steve uh, asked the audience, How many of you in this room have failed? Everybody's hand went up. Everybody's hand. How many of you in this room have failed more than once? everybody's hand went up. How many of you feel your success is actually based on your failures? Everybody's hand went up. There is something that differentiates like people who are high performers, high achievers from people who aren't. And I, I sometimes believe it's that the acceptance of failure, the acceptance of struggle, the acceptance of challenge, yeah. right? We, you know, if we could look at it, it's funny because we could look at it as our first iteration of SA of LE, which was SALP in the in-school program. We could look at it as it failed. I would never even process it that way. No, for sure. It was part of us getting to where we're at, right? It was all part of the creation of where we're going. And, you know, it's, I was just thinking as you guys were talking about like all of the, the trials and the tribulations and the ups and the downs and uh, Brian, I don't even know how he keeps track of all the people that he's connected with because there's so many. And then how do, you know, we take out of our system, like one of the things we didn't want to do was just slap together an app right? Mm -hmm. Anybody can slap together an app in a week, right? right? But this is not about like, you know, what is your mantra for today? Like there's a lot of our entire system and the mindfulness of like making sure that the kids are successful using this and the understanding of the human mind all goes into this app. It wasn't like slapping it together, right? We've been Mm -hmm. methodical on purpose. And when people ask me, why, why didn't you quit? Right? Because for me, the truth is, is those lives matter, more. Yeah. Those lives matter more than my challenge. Those yeah. saving kids' lives matters more. Well, <laughs> That's and it, why I keep doing it.
0: You know, it's almost too, this is almost kind of a slight deviation, but getting into it with kind of teens too. Like, I mean, going to a mastermind like that, I'm sure it's awesome. And, but everybody there too, like they've seen the success from the failures, you know, a lot of adults, they've been through that. So they have a reference point of, yes, like I've succeeded through failures. And the more reference point you build, the more faith, the next one that you're going to have. But in my mind, I'm thinking like, man, with teens, probably they don't have any reference points on it. Like it's probably so different. This is why this resonated with me so much is because, I mean, now I'm not an old guy, but I'm almost 40. I thought I could still resonate with like a young kid when I realized they are a completely different species now than what I am, what I've gone through in my life. So in building this, in building the app and building this business, because you guys have built successful businesses before and started it from the ground up, was there any differentiation that you guys had to do because of the demographic that you were trying to reach? Or was it pretty much you stayed on the same steps that you've done before?
2: That's a great question. So um, the demographic itself didn't present any challenges for us. From a business structural standpoint, Carrie and I both have worked uh, with young people uh, for years upon years. I mean, carries you know, being a clinical counselor, working primarily with young people. Myself, I started two companies in the sports and fitness industry, both of which catered to young people. So the demographic didn't provide any challenges for us. Um, what did was the technology, to be brutally honest. Uh, we're not tech-savvy people, and uh, we couldn't be relied on mm-hmm. to make the right decisions related uh, to tech, and what a young person using a tech instrument is going to find usable, not usable, fun, not fun. Yeah. Um, so really what, and you're right, Michael, we have both started businesses from the ground up many, many times. What changed with this business was the immediacy of which we knew we had to get people around us right. uh, who knew very differently than we knew is a case in point. Quite literally on Friday, we, we came to an agreement, um, and we're just ratifying the contract now with somebody who's going to serve as our chief data strategist, and that's not a position I ever knew. you, you need have to worry to. About. Um, but, it, but the way they presented, I'm like, how does this not make exact sense? Right. Like, yes. Yeah. If you get 10 million kids downloading your app, you need somebody looking at the metrics who can say. Uh, they've downloaded it, but right. only 3% are using it, or this is when they stop using it, or here's the bottleneck. And then we have to go back When I say we carry has to go back to the drawing board and reconfigure parts of LE that better satisfy what the numbers are saying. So mm-hmm. we, we had to become very comfortable um, with putting people around us immediately. We've never done that before in business mm-hmm. uh, and we had to become comfortable um, seeking investors you know, this, mm. is, this is not an inexpensive enterprise, you know, building an app of the, of the quality that we're building, yeah. bringing these people around you, it takes money. Yeah, yeah. So we had to become comfortable with that. I've bootstrapped every business I've ever built okay. until mm-hmm.
1: now. Yeah, you know, I I love. I mean, all of that is so yes to all of that. Um, I'm I'm sitting here going. By the way, who's our chief dentist Like, because
2: <laughs> lanes we stay in our it's
1: lanes. My right? They right? But actually, that it, that actually is about to give the example of what I was going to say. Um, I think sometimes in business, people get let their egos get in the way, and they think that they have to do everything and know everything, right? And one of the things that I think we've done really brilliantly with Ellie is what Brian was just saying, knowing what people to bring in and then like stepping out of it. Like I don't, I'm telling you, like our, we get on calls with our tech team and they show us like the, the coding to make things do things. And I'm <laughs> like- and it's really actually ironically funny because our son who's 19 sits on the, on the, on these advisory calls. Cause he knows way more than us. Absolutely. About and like, we'll be on these calls and he'll snap us. He'll be like, you guys have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Nope. Right. Like none. But you know, the whole notion, like I look, I work, I've worked with adults. Brian's worked with adults. It's one thing when you're actively coaching someone. Yes. But Ellie needed to be a passive experience right? The user has to want to use it. So, cause we can't be there beside each teenager saying, do this, do this, do this. Right. So for me, you know, from a coaching model standpoint, that was the most important for me. Like I need to make this thing um appealing to kids appealing right. to just to want to play it and want to be a part of it which is the reason like we knew it just couldn't be another meditation app yeah right like right. Yeah. Meditate, even though one of the things that i've observed working with the, the girls that i'm working with right now is that there's no human on the planet who wants to feel not good, good. who doesn't want to feel good they want to feel good and the more they feel good the more they do it they more the more they show up but insofar as ellie we knew we had to have um a video game technology built into this app and then incentive around it as well. Like, you know, we have intentions to have incentive for for real world reward, like partnering, mm. for example, with Apple or Amazon, who are going to, when you hit 50,000 tokens, you get a $50 gift card to Apple, for example.
2: We're actually uh, building a blockchain uh, embedded into LA. So it's a reward system. As you use the app functionally you get awarded tokens. right? Uh, but our intention is to create strategic partnerships with Apple, uh, Nike, you name it, where uh-huh. these tokens can be used as real dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so, so cool. Is, yeah. Cause
0: yeah. we, and we jump right into that. Like, cause there is a gamification aspect to this yeah. app right here where it's actually, you go through and I was actually, I never heard that term before. I don't know if I'm an old soul or I'm just completely out of date. Or we just that up. No, no or it's you just, Is it a real yeah, term? I think it's freaking, <laughs> I think it's freaking awesome. And it's like, I understand like the video game aspect of it, but actually the educational gamification, I didn't realize how impactful it is nowadays. So was that something that, somebody introduced you to, or did you think that this could be kind of a direction that you were going to go in?
2: No, we knew gamification was part of it from the start. I mean, Gary and I both, we both enjoy Seth Godin a great deal. And he talks about gamification um, on a regular basis. He talks about one of the reasons that social media rose to such prominence is the gamification of which the actual algorithm works. You might not realize it as gamification, but for example, if you have Facebook, um app on your phone you're getting notifications updated every second by the second if you have new messages or new notifications and the natural inclination is to want to go look at them or clear them out Mm -hmm. so it it is a gamified approach Uh, so we knew it was going to be part of ellie from the beginning what we didn't know and this is where the the great people around uh, around us have helped is um uh, there's going to be an ai built in to ellie as well so effectively Each individual user is going to have a unique experience on Ellie because their avatar is going to start learning about them individually, independently of other users. So we'll gamify the AI component as well. So if I were a user, for example, the avatar I choose to participate in with Ellie uh, as me, that avatar starts to learn about my tendencies and my behaviors and my preferences and my dislikes. And the AI will start to coordinate the avatar to effectively make the experience more fun and more engaging for the for the user based on the user's input. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. Yeah. So to get in now, like, so, because I want to uh, make sure we have some time to actually get into the app and how it kind of goes through. Like if someone was going to go into this app now, a young kid, and they go in like, how does it work? Because I know there's an accountability piece. There's kind of a coaching piece on it. kind of what are the kind of what are the steps that somebody would go through when they get into? actually you're
1: the first you're the first person we're going to share that with
2: how exciting is that that's so
1: exciting for me so so obviously you know the EYL model particularly well because you've studied it and you practice it right um it's it's intensive there's a lot right and so what we had to do is we had to peel it back and look at where's our starting point right like where are we starting and what what I did, and you know, through conversation, was we assessed what are the what are the 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 big hitters, so to speak. Like if I had if I had could only give somebody two things, what would they be? Mm-hmm. So the, the the and the answer to that was daily intentions and evening win counting. Okay, so mm-hmm. you know, and we can go into the psychology yeah. of why mm-hmm. that's the case. But um, so essentially, when a user opens the app for the first time, because it won't be the same, like after they they initially do their setup but the setup actually has um you you get to choose your Ellie avatar and so that's where you get to choose if it's going to be Ellie or Eli and that's you also get to choose if it's going your if your Ellie is going to be an avatar of me or an avatar of Brian so we actually okay. are in avatar form yeah, awesome. um so you get to choose your Ellie Um, And then you go through a series of questions. And this is our data intake. I might not know how to collect data, but I know we need to collect it. (laughs) So we we do a data collection, right? Mm -hmm. Name, age, uh, gender, and or Um, where, you you know, where are you located in the world? What type of schooling do you do? What your hobbies are? Then we do a series of um, intake questions. You know, how often are you happy? How often are you sad? So just some generalized um, intake information so that we can see where they're at when they start. From that point, it flips, you know, so this is where I'm talking about like the mindfulness that went into it. I We can't have teenagers just answering questions for 30 minutes, right? So at that right. point, it flips into creating their own avatar. Then they get okay. to create their own avatar. They get to select it, choose which one they want, blah, 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 blah. Then it flips back into setting up for the, the actual coaching accountability for, you know, for your process day to day. And so you get to choose. So you get instructed on what intentions are. You get to choose um, what your intentions are going to be built around every day, how many you want, what time of day you want to be prompted with a push notification to do your intentions. Mm -hmm. You also get prompted with your prompt question. You get to choose from a series of questions that you want to be asked. So, for example, what's your intention today? What matters most to you today? Or what do you want to accomplish by the end of the day? I can't remember all the prompts questions. Those are very specifically chosen, right? Like every single, this is one of the things that nobody's going to understand the value of all of that, right? We're setting these kids up for success by eliminating as many potential deviations in their way. We don't want them to have to remember to do intentions in the morning. So we give them a notification. We don't want them to be overwhelmed. So we ask them how many intentions do you want to set? Mm -hmm. Right? So we're giving them structure and guidance. So that's the intentions in the morning. then in the evening, they do counting their wins. And the wins are are based around the same pretext, like the same background. That you get the same questions. From there, you officially have your setup to get started, right? So then you get prompted with, you know, okay, so tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., I'm going to remind you with this question that you have to set three intentions for the day. And you'll get that push notification the following day to set those intentions and do the wins. Plus, there's going to be prompting throughout the day, whether it's encouragement from Ellie. So there's Mm going to be a series of pre-programmed encouragement comments or, you know, grab it, like, you know, you're doing great or reminders. Don't forget what your intentions were today. And they'll pop up on screen. Then from that, they get to flip into the game, the game, the game, the, the gamification play. Cause there's a whole video game, like kind of like the Sims. Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah. Minecra- we kind of played off of Minecraft,
0: Yeah.
1: Etc. So as they collect tokens, every time they do their daily intentions and daily wins, they're actually collecting tokens that get to be traded for, Inside the video game world, right? So they're inter and and inside the video game world, you're actually playing with your avatar and Ellie's in there with you. Yeah. So and that's kind of where we're at right now in the development of it because it's very mm-hmm. intricate. But then over time, we're gonna add in more of the elements, more of the uh, EYL yeah. uh, model. But we, we wanted to hit on a V1 yep. solid and like like we knew we wanted to, to, to not be too complicated at the start. But the lack of, uh, no, the simplicity is not lack of consideration. It's very intentional in the way that it's been set up. So that's kind of the way it's set at the moment.
0: Yeah. This, is, I, this is just so fucking awesome. I have so many cool things in my head right now because the thing that I love so much is that kind of going back to the beginning of this conversation, we talked about the proactive versus the reactive response. And I think one of the hardest things, especially as a kid, is probably to go out and ask for help, like be vulnerable in that. So this is something that you can actually do on your phone. You can be private with it if you like. And just that little bit of encouragement, I think, goes so far. Because I keep saying, like, the ultimate goal here is to stop teen suicide, you know, to stop mental disorders. You can't do that in a reactive sense. You have to do it in a proactive sense. And this is such a beautiful way to do it.
2: And there's so much to what you said there. And I'm I'm wary of the time. Let me just add this one comment. Um, It's, um, look at V1, V2, V3, things scale over time, right? But I've I've already mentioned, you know, artificial intelligence being embedded into the app. The avatar gets to know you as a person, but we also are are talking to other tech companies about um, augmented reality. Hmm. So now AR is a very different kind of a digitized system. But if you can imagine the day that you can actually broadcast your avatar into your room, like it's literally as a hologram there. And now that to a lot of adults that might sound space. To me, it sounded space until the tech team started helping me understand why it might be worthy based on what we've taught them about our system. And the reason I bring this up, Michael, as you said, you know, kids they don't want to open up necessarily, but they've grown up in a digital world. They've grown up in a way that we haven't. Right? I didn't have cell phones or I had Atari when I was a kid. Like that's you know, I mean, like I, I didn't grow don't up.
0: Don't knock Atari. You know, okay. Atari. I run. liked
2: Atari. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the bomb. Q-Bert and Pac-Man, that was my jam, right? But you know. A a young person may not open up to their parents or their school counselor or their teacher, but will they open up to the avatar? And all we need to do is get them talking to somebody because once they start talking, it's cathartic, it's vent-oriented, and it gives them safety to now approach somebody else, a parent, a school counselor, et cetera, et cetera. The real crisis is that kids bottle up and stay bottled. Yeah. So if if we can even get them talking to the to the avatar, as ridiculous as that sounds to every adult over 35 who's watching and listening right now, it's it's not the same world we grew up in. Right. They've grown up in a digital world and avatars come to life for young people.
1: And it's almost yeah. like I, I love looking at it as a sense of like it's their journal. Mm-hmm. Right. It's their yes. So a lot of the way that when I was thinking through um, how to take our system and put it into a game, like, you know, after the crisis of meltdown, how am I going to do that? <laughs> right. Um, I what I had, what I actually started considering was, you know, I have a lot of concierge coaching clients and the, what I mean by concierge coaching clients, if my clients actually have access to me 24 seven, they can message me 24 seven in the day. Like, obviously, when I'm sleeping, I don't I'm not able to answer it. But, but the, my private clients who I work with, they see the greatest, um, return of investment and they see the greatest, um, growth and change at the most rapid paces. It's not because of me. It's because of the, um, the frequency of, of contact, right? They have access to me 24 seven. So at any moment of the day, they can verbally dump to me. They can message me. They can vent it out. And then I mirror back. I act. The way that I describe it is I almost act as their unconscious feeding them what they should be hearing and should be doing. So I'm kind of playing back and forth with them. This is their, their what's coming at me in a reactive state. Now I'm going to give them the proactive process to it, right? So I have clients to this day who have never picked up a journal because I'm never going to get them to pick up a journal. I just know they won't but they use me as their journal. So what we needed to do was we essentially needed to create that into an app technology for teenagers because very few teenagers are gonna wanna open up a journal and write. Not to mention the fact that that's just not the world we live in any day right? right? So the act of having that avatar that you can converse with, it's essentially like a learn your language dump, which I know you know what that means. Not everybody's gonna know what that means, but it's that vent session. The, The difference is it's not just a vent session and a rant, but there's, on the other side of it, there's a support and the guidance of redirection.
0: Yeah. Um, guys, I can't believe this flew by in like two seconds. So, which just means I'm gonna have to have you back because we got We got a lot more to talk about. Okay.
2: Yes, yeah. I'd love absolutely. that. Oh
0: absolutely. Date. oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I absolutely. Right yeah, now. I think we're definitely getting that by. Um, There's so much there, uh, in there, and I'm not going to unpack all of it because, uh, I don't want to, I'm not going to do it justice, but what you said there is you don't need a solution right off the bat. You need momentum. You need to build momentum up, which I think is so huge. And the biggest thing out of this too, I mean, you guys are doing something amazing with this specific demographic, but the biggest thing that everybody can get is half loft, have lofty ass fucking goals, like change the world. I mean, you guys are doing amazing stuff you've already done amazing stuff you can easily rest on the laurels from there you're going to the next level and i think it's such an inspiration so um i appreciate you guys so much love you guys to death i seriously appreciate
2: thank it, brother thank, thank you. you so sincerely thank absolutely.
0: you absolutely yeah so uh guys um Yeah. Follow Brian and Carrie. You know what to do. All that good stuff. I'll talk to you guys on the next one. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I much love to you. Thank you so much and I'll catch you on the next one.